and we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. Week 5 is now in the books in the National Football League. Um, I don't know, Andrew, I don't know about you, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, both of our teams definitely did not play this weekend. And for the rest of the NFL, a lot of shakeup did happen. Some new teams that were in first place. We saw a team finally get their first win in almost over a year. And two really ugly primetime games to end the weekend. One in a blowout. One last night that was just an overall terrible offensive experience from both sides of the ball. But overall, very interesting week five as we now head into week number six. I mean, you can speak on behalf of your team, but my team had a bye week, so... As far as I'm concerned, my team had a bye week, too. Oh, congratulations. So we're both still 1-3. Good to hear. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'm on a bye week again this week, too. Oh, me too for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. We'll go into uh, the bye weeks that we had this past weekend. But let's go into last Thursday's game between the Bears and the Commanders. And obviously, on paper... Not a good matchup on primetime. This was a terrible game last year on primetime. And the NFL said, hey, you know what? Let's do it all over again. So we had the Bears going into Washington this time around as the game was in Chicago last year. And right out of the gate, Johnson, the Bears looked very strong in this game. DJ Moore had himself a huge start to the first quarter, getting a touchdown drive to open up the game for Chicago. He would finish this game with an unbelievable stat line. Eight catches. 230 yards, three receiving touchdowns, and he accounted for basically all of Justin Fields' pass, uh, receiving and passing yards in this game as Fields goes 15-29 for 282 and four touchdowns. And believe it or not, the Chicago Bears getting their first win in about 346 days as they beat the Washington Commanders on the road by the final of 40-20. to The Bears fans can finally celebrate a victory they almost had one earlier in the year against Denver. Obviously, that game got away from them, but they didn't have to worry about this game. They pretty much ha- handled this one uh, there on four, and now go to one and four in the season. You said a terrible game on primetime? This was one of the most entertaining games on primetime we've had in a while. Well, going uh, just, into it. I mean, oh, yeah, going into it is supposed to be a snooze fest. But, yeah. Uh, absolutely phenomenal performance by Justin Fields. He's looking like the quarterback we everyone never really expected that. him. No, right. because here's the thing. No one was hoping for him to pass at such an elite level. The what pe- sold people on Justin Fields, and you saw it last year, was his ability to make plays, uh, scrambling outside the pocket, True. rushing. He was one of the best rushing quarterbacks. But it seems like he completely forgot that. Like the CIA wiped his mind, and now he's a pocket passer. He's he, it. It looked like he was from the West Coast style of offense. The way he was just kind of hanging back in the pocket, deep passes, hitting his receivers in stride. He, he looked like a completely different quarterback, and hey, this is the second week in a row he looked like this. It's also the second week in a row that Chase Claypool wasn't at a game. Coincidence? Maybe. Well, Chase Claypool is now a Miami Dolphin, so he's no longer with the team, and who you might be right. I mean, this definitely is leading to some better things for the Chicago Bears team. Um, it seems as if Fields has finally found that rhythm that you were hoping for, and DJ Moore, he looked every bit of the part of the guy that they traded for this past offseason, remember they traded the number one pick to get him and also trade down to number nine and get some extra future picks. And he looked every bit of the part in this game going for those 230, um, three touchdowns. He, he just torched this Washington secondary. 
And if you had faced him in fantasy football this week, it was a rough going because at Thursday, past Thursday, you were pretty much down 40 to 50 points maybe with the way your standard PPR leagues potentially are. Moore had a field day. Fields also, no pun intended, had a field day. And the Bears finally can celebrate after almost a full calendar year of not winning a football game. Yeah, Justin Fields had me 41 points, and I just happened to win by point like 12 points. So Justin Fields really came up big for me. Every, every yard counts, and Justin Fields got me a couple more yards, and uh, very, very happy with his performance. Yeah, and you cannot... If you're a Bears fan, you're now hoping that this can go into next week's game against the Vikings, who are very shorthanded right now without the injury to Justin Jefferson. So there's a chance the Bears can win back-to-back games and get some momentum going the rest of the season and get Justin Fields that momentum that he needs to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. So this is a good stepping stone for this Bears team this season as they now go into week number six. Let's go into the Sunday slate now as we start off with another London game. The second straight week that we had a London International Series game as the Jaguars, who were in London last week because they took on the Falcons last week. Excuse me, I lost my voice for a second. Went to face the Buffalo Bills, who were traveling after their big-time win over the Miami Dolphins. And great performance from Jacksonville out of the gate. They led 11-0 at the end of the first quarter. Defense was strong. They had a great rushing attack from Travis Etienne. Calvin Ridley made some big-time catches. And Buffalo was making it close, especially towards the end of the game. But the Jaguars' defense stood tall just when they needed it the most. Lawrence got a big third-down conversion to Calvin Ridley. And Travis Etienne would set up the game-winning touchdown. As the Jags hang on to beat the Bills in London 25-20, both teams now go into 3-2 on the season. Uh, Overall, what were your... Um, initial thoughts about what happened in this game for both sides. Whether going, to, whether you want to start off with Jacksonville or Buffalo in this case. Well, the outcome doesn't surprise me. I had the Jags winning, and I had believe I had them covering as well. Um, didn't surprise me at all because Jacksonville only spent the week there. Uh, they played the previous London game. They go there one and three, and they come out five hundred now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Or they three and two, and two in the season. Yep. Yeah, they go down. They go down one and two. Excuse me. They come out of London and three and two. New team, new lease on life. Trevor Lawrence is looking great, and it just looked like Buffalo was kind of jet lagged. It took them about fifty five minutes or so to realize that there was a football game going on. That's the main yeah. takeaway here. It didn't. It wasn't that Jacksonville was so much better than Buffalo, but more so that uh, they've been there for a week. I think they're evenly matched teams, but. Jacksonville was just very longer for them. If it was a home, t- if it was in Jacksonville or Buffalo, uh, would have been a completely different story. You probably would have seen two teams that would have been evenly matched throughout the game instead of seeing that uh, that game that we saw on uh, on Sunday. It was a lot closer on paper than it was in reality. And you think about it too, the impact for Buffalo. They lost so many defensive starters in this game. Matt Milano being one of them to a potential season-ending injury. I don't know if they confirmed if he's out for the season or not. But remember, going into the game, they didn't have Tredavious White, who's out for the year with a torn Achilles. Then they lose all these guys on defense. And they really were not happy about the playing conditions of this game. Um, And overall, they just could not get out of the gate early on. You spoke about it. Jacksonville pretty much handled this game most of the first half. And they were able to, you know, hold off the Buffalo comeback in that fourth quarter. And Travis Etienne, as I mentioned, was a big reason why 
136 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. And he and Trevor Lawrence, the big reason why they go to three and two in the season. And they have a big game this upcoming Sunday as they take on the Indianapolis Colts, who do have some injury issues right now at quarterback. But right now, that's a battle for first place in the AFC South as both teams sit at three and two. And they really could use that game after they beat them in week number one. And for Buffalo, they now have a primetime game up this upcoming Sunday, which unfortunately for my sake is against my New York Giants, which will not be a fun game for me to say the least, as that most likely will be a blowout for Buffalo to get the win to go back on track. So we'll have to see how these two teams react after this London game going into week number six. But speaking of my New York Giants, Johnson, uh, I didn't expect much from their game against Miami. Uh, They kept it closer than I thought in the first half. They only went into the halftime trailing by a touchdown. But Miami in the second half pretty much dominated the rest of the way. Uh, Devin Ochan had another solid game, 11 carries for 151 yards and a touchdown. He did get injured in this game and most likely will miss a couple weeks for the Dolphins. So a big blow for that rushing attack. They still have Raheem Mostert, which is a good thing for them. But Tyreek Hill had another big game, 181 yards. And... The biggest story on the other side of the ball for the Giants is that uh, Daniel Jones gets injured in this game in the third quarter, or actually in the fourth quarter, excuse me. And he is right now questionable to play this upcoming Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. Um, That's a big injury right now for him. He has a neck injury. That's the same one that he had in 2021. And if he cannot go this Sunday, then it's going to be Tyrod Taylor facing his former team, the Buffalo Bills, on primetime football. So... Either way, the Giants do not fare very well in this match, no matter who the quarterback is. But not having Daniel Jones will not help them at all. But not much more to say about this matchup. Just a rough, another rough game for New York. They now dropped the one and four. Miami River bounces back from the loss to Buffalo as they now go to four and one. Well, there's a couple of things to mention here. Uh, the first thing being that it was a lot closer than people realize in the first half it was a game with the new york football giants they had a great defensive play uh that led to a touchdown their first um, first half touchdown of the season yeah i believe it was a matt breeder rushing touchdown after it was a very a, long no it was a um a pick six for jason pinnock 102 yards it was a pick six i thought yep. i thought breeder ran it in but excuse me no nah, um, it was not I don't know where I got that information from. I wa- I was literally watching the game with you. Anyways, Bre- Breida, um, I think Breida got a touchdown later in the game. There it is. Okay, so I got my touchdowns mixed up on that one. Uh, what what the bigger news is here is that this shows Miami has a couple of um they're not immune, and you saw it in the game versus the Patriots too. Because now this is the second time where a anemic offense has kind of lit them up in the first half of the game. Their defense isn't all that, and everyone knows that you know. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. And if Miami's really serious about getting a uh, championship, they need to really reinforce that defensive deadline. They're going to lose Devin a chain now for the uh, for not the remainder of the season, but for a good portion of it, it's still undetermined how long he's going to be out for. And he was really emerging as their number one back, Raheem Mostert. Even though he was getting uh, first back carries for the last couple of weeks, he was not acting like a first. Uh, a first back, so they're going to lose him. Tyreek Hill continues to be unstoppable. The only cornerback to hold him this year is um, is Christian Gonzalez. I will keep on saying that until another corner keeps him in check. But overall, good win for Miami. Keeps, keeps him on track and keeps him that race for the AFC uh, East title. Yeah, they stay in first place now. 
with the Buffalo loss, so now they have sole possession of first place going into week number six. And uh, as a Giants fan, I don't even know. I mean, it's pretty much there's pretty much no light at the end of the tunnel right now. You have a primetime game again coming coming this Sunday, and it will not be pretty. That's for sure. So maybe maybe they surprise me, but I just don't have any faith in it happening right now. That's pretty much the state that I'm currently at with this Giants team. So. To get a sour taste out of, my, out of my mouth, we'll go into the next game of our schedule. And let's talk about a kind of a maybe a upset in a lot of people's minds of what happened this past Sunday between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. And this was a game in which Baltimore pretty much handled the Steelers most of that first half, I would say. I mean, it was still a close game. <clears throat> Excuse me again. But at the going into the fourth quarter, the Ravens just had a multitude of things going wrong for them. They had a bunch of drops, which could have been touchdowns for them offensively and could have given them the win easily. And Lamar Jackson had an interception thrown in late in the fourth quarter that set up the game-winning drive for the Pittsburgh Steelers. As the Steelers come back in the fourth and win this one 17-10, both teams now go into 3-2 and two in the season. The Steelers, believe it or not, after five weeks in the season, are now in sole possession of first place in the AFC North right now, and it wasn't a great offensive game for Pittsburgh, but when they needed a touchdown the most, they got it, and they get another big spectacular game out of George Pickens. Six catches, 130 yards, the game-winning touchdown, as I mentioned, and they now go to 3-2, and two, as I said, and for Baltimore, they now fall to 3-2, and two, and they go to London this upcoming weekend to take on the Titans, and that's going to be kind of a tough game for this Baltimore offense. If they continue to have these drop issues on the offensive side, they have a potential to fall to 3-3 three and three on the air. Now, I do want to point out that excellent play that you mentioned with Kenny Pickett. That was an audible. That was not a play, a play call designed by Matt Canada. Right. Because if you saw the reaction, he was pissed. Even though it was a walk-off touchdown, he was not happy at all. Uh, He's never happy. So now the question... Kind of this this what raises a good point now. The question is, how much of Kenny Pickett's talent is he squandering? Because if Kenny Pickett's calling that off an audible, one of the better defenses in the league, what can he do under real offensive coordinator that's not running, uh, you know, third and six draw plays, uh, in in your own end zone? I, I, there's a lot to say here about Matt Canada's play calling and his reaction said everything. We say this a lot in team sports. When a man gets benched or if, if you're in basketball, football, you get sent to the bench and the, you start winning, you make a comeback. And if you're not happy to be part of that comeback and part of that win, you're not a team player. And uh, that said a lot about his kind, uh, his uh, character here. Yeah, and I think a big thing for the Steelers now and seeing with their offense, they go into their bye week this upcoming weekend, as I mentioned, in first place. And they won't be getting Deontay Johnson back, it looks like, in week number seven, which is a big get for that offense. And another big thing about this team is that their defense is a big reason why they won this game. T.J. Watt is a monster. I I saw today that he got injured in this game. I don't remember the severity of the injury, but for any normal human being, it's a in, it's it's one of those got injuries where, like, yeah, he's coming out of the game. He's probably out for a couple of weeks of the season, and then. You hear that, and he's just like, oh, yeah, no, this is normal for T.J. Watt because he's just that good of a football player. And another great win for Pittsburgh in, in the case of the defense won them, won them. Same thing that happened when they played Cleveland a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Football. And 
They go to three and two. I'm looking at it right now. He suffered a dislocated finger and tore multiple ligaments in that game. <laughs> He's still a huge reason why they won. Yeah, unfortunate that he uh, did suffer those injuries, but like you said, absolutely critical to his team's success on the field this week. Yeah, but listen, the good thing for him is that it didn't, it didn't keep him off the field in that game, so you would tend to believe that he's going to probably still play, and with the bye week coming up, that's big for him to get get well-rested and get ready for their next game. So huge momentum for the Steelers going into the bye, now 3-2 and two in the season. We'll see if Baltimore can rebounce back in London this upcoming weekend with the Tennessee Titans. Now we move on to our next game, and I know, Johnson, it's – I know you're going to want to keep it short and sweet because this was a pretty bad performance from your New England Patriots this past There's weekend. There Patriots game this weekend? It pretty much felt like that as the Saints went into Foxborough to take on the Patriots, and they just dominated this game on both sides of the ball, winning this one 34 to nothing. Um, another tough game for Mac Jones in case of some, a couple of interceptions, one of them – Two of them I remember at least was because of him getting thrown out. You know, he was getting hit as he threw. So. And the second one, the uh, receiver came down with it. Then it came pop loose, and then they caught the ball. For, for right. So. so he literally threw it in his chest, came down with it, took a step. I think it should have been counted as a, a, as a fumble, but it's neither here nor there. And this is, remember, the first game for the Patriots without um, Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez. So a tough going on both sides of the football. They just had no answer for the Saints team. And the Saints are still a team that I really can't, you know, put my finger on what how they are going to be this season. Are they going to be good? Are they going to be bad? You know, they've come off the week before where they lose a home game to the Bucks in embarrassing fashion, and then they put up this performance against the Patriots. They go down 3-2. and two, And for New England now, they fall to 1-4. and four, And dare I say, Johnson, is does this end your season, or do you still have any hope for this team down the stretch? They have... Vegas coming up this upcoming weekend. No, because I McDaniel's Belichick matchup. I still think you could beat Vegas, no matter uh, how bad this past se- this past week is. Does it end the season? Well, this was one of the games you were supposed to win. Yeah. Um, going into the season, everyone knew that the first half of the Patriots' schedule. It's a very very hard schedule, but the first half was egregiously bad. Uh, most experts had them pretty much beating the Jets, which they did, and then going one in um, one and three. The Saints game is another game that they should have won. So this is, I, I will say confidently, this is the first game that they were pegged to win, which they should have won, but they lost. You have the Raiders, you have uh, you have the Raiders, Commanders, Colts, uh, the New York Giants, which will be tank bowl. The oh, Steelers yeah. late in the se- season, you have the Broncos as well, and another game, the Jets. You can get eight or nine wins. I still, realistically, eight wins is probably your ceiling. That is probably the best case scenario. Uh, if if everything were to break their way right now, I think they get eight wins. If every single thing broke their way, I see seven wins. But I probably see about four or five. That's where we're currently at. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, actually, no, I'm not that kid because I'm at the point where the Giants. I I have no faith in them winning another game this season. Just how it's just been that bad, and that's unfortunate because I had so much expectations going into the year. But yeah, I think it's going to really come down to. For the Patriots, I mean, they need their offense has to do something next this upcoming weekend. I mean, they've you scored need an offensive line. That's what you need. I, 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 at one point yeah. of this game, I took a look down for I kid you not, less than a second, and I looked back up and Mac Jones already get rushed in the pocket. It turned out that they ran a it was a, a four on six, 
So you had six people on that line and four people pass rushing him and they couldn't contain the pass rush. If it's no, not a single person, a quarterback in the league, past or present, can succeed under that kind of pressure. I don't care if you have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you have Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler in your backfield, Brees Hall. I don't care what you have out there as weapons. If you only have one and a half, two seconds to throw, that's it. You're not going to succeed. So does Mac Jones shoulder some of the blame? Yes. But there are a lot more glaring holes on this team than Mac Jones. Well, I mean, the the offense has got to fix something. They're going into this next game with the Raiders. They've been outscored seventy two to three so, in their last so I have two a games. Solution on that as well. Yeah. And this is why it worked. If you look at game film for the first couple of weeks, and it'll be very easy to realize this. Can you name a single Patriots receiver that can get separation on their own? Maybe Juju Smith. Maybe right, and that's a maybe. Yeah. They went from call, doing teams covering them with zone like that they always did the Patriots to using man coverage over the last couple of weeks. That's been the main difference over the last two or three weeks. They're using yeah. man coverage because they realize not a single player can get separation. Why is Mac Jones throwing into triple coverage? Why is he throwing it into double coverage? Why is he throwing in tight windows? Because none of them can get open. If you had one player, just one player that was able to get some sort of separation, you would see a different team right now. At least, at least offensively. I mean, defensively, they're going to be in shambles now because no Judon, no Christian Gonzalez, like you said. So they have their own demons to fight that way. But you would at least see maybe a passable offense that would get you maybe 17, 18 points a, a week, right? All right, it's not pretty, but at least, hey, you see a touchdown, a couple field goals every week, right? Yeah. That's what you would see. Now, you're not seeing anything because not a single person can get separation into playing man. So you you got to be embarrassed as a wide receiver if you can't get any sort of separation playing man coverage. I get if you're being double teamed or triple teamed or if they're putting, you know, a, a, the best corner on their team against you. I get that, but it's man coverage. You have to make a play somewhere. If you can't get a, a, any separation, 30, 40 snaps into the game, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I mean, New England, this pretty much, they, they have to win this next game against the Raiders. And we know how McDaniels acts when he's beating Belichick before. I'm sure this is a big game for him, considering that the Raiders have a chance to be 500 on the season if they get the win. But it's all or nothing for the Patriots going into this game. I mean, they especially after what happened last season between these two teams, they really need to get a sour t- the sour taste out of their mouth and go into Vegas and get a huge win on the road. So, I'm curious to see what happens on Sunday, but... I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm most likely the same way. Anyway, let's move on to our next game in the schedule. And how about this game? This is kind of one of the more um, exciting games of the weekend in terms of uh, finishes. We had the Houston Texans taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And yes, if you went into the season saying this was one of the more exciting games of the week, uh, you would have been called crazy. But... This game had had all the hype going into it. C.J. Stroud, we know all the hype that's been going on with him. He's having himself a great start to his NFL season. As well, on the other side, is B. John Robinson for the Atlanta Falcons. Both of these rookies are lighting it up for their teams, and they got them to a current 2-2 two and two record going into this game. We saw late in the fourth quarter, C.J. Stroud leading a 75-yard touchdown drive in five minutes, getting a touchdown to Dalton Schultz. 
with a minute 49 left on the clock to give the Texans the lead 19-18. And unfortunately for them, it was just too much time given to the Atlanta Falcons as Desmond Ritter was able to go down the field in 10 plays and a minute of 49 seconds to give Young Wei Koo the game-winning 37-yard field goal as the Falcons go to 3-2 on the season with a 21-19 win over Houston. Despite the loss, though, for the Texans, Johnson, C.J. Stroud setting an NFL record in this game. He's thrown 177 pass attempts this season, has not thrown an interception to start his career. That is a new NFL record, so if you're Houston, the future is definitely bright. He looked mighty mortal this weekend, Vel. That was the one thing about C.J. Stroud. He has a, he's had a phenomenal game where he's had multiple games, over 300 yards of passing. If you can get one or two games out of your rookie, that's considered to be a win. But to get multiple games, that's when you start talking about, okay, maybe this is the franchise guy. Like you said, he does set that record. But C.J. Stroud, 250 yards and a touchdown, uh, average game? I would say that's compared, an average game for a quarterback yeah, today. Compa- compared to compared to what he's done so far, it's it's definitely an average game, but it's still yeah, a solid like game. Like sixty percent completion, that's an average game. It's not. It's it's. Don't get me wrong. That's a good game. If that was my quarterback, two hundred fifty yards, a passing touchdown, uh, no interceptions, had good ball security, was mainly accurate, able to hit the deep pass, good. But that's kind of average in the NFL nowadays. But uh, if that's going to be his kind of floor, sky's the limit. Yeah, and on the other side for Atlanta, they finally get a great game out of Desmond Ritter. I mean, there were a lot of you know talk after the Jacksonville game in London in which Ritter had some really bad throws and it cost the Falcons that game. And then he comes back in this game and he has a really solid game, 28-37 for 329 yards and a touchdown. And if he's able to get Bijan Robinson involved and Kyle Pitts as well, involved a lot more in this offensive scheme, it's going to make him develop even better than what the Falcons are hoping for at this moment. And for now, they're in first, they're a half game back of first place, I should say, behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there is still a realistic shot this team could win the division if all things go right down the stretch of the season. But they've had to have liked what they've seen out of Ritter this past weekend. And they definitely have liked what they've seen out of Bijan Robinson throughout the first five weeks of the season. Well, it's the most promise he's shown so far. And remember, he's still a sophomore. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. I believe he's a he's sophomore. Right. Not a first-round pick. Picked later on. Didn't really start last year. So uh, let's see what he's got. Give, yeah. I, I would give him I would give him definitely to the end of the year, if not beginning of next year, to kind of get it down pat. Yeah, remember, people were clamoring for Taylor Heineke to start over him because of Heineke's previous history with the Commanders. And they said, you know what? Raiders just not working out right now. Let's go to Heineke. And he kind of silenced all the doubters after this game. So a good stepping stone for him going into week number six. So we'll see if Atlanta can build up on this momentum going into week six. But we'll go into the next game, and we talked about a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. We're going to talk about another rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson, and unfortunately for Anthony Richardson in this game between the Titans and the Colts, Anthony Richardson once again gets injured in the game. Remember earlier in the year against Houston, he had a concussion that took him out of game, and that was the game against Baltimore, which the Colts were able to win on the road with Gardner Minshew. Uh, Richardson gets injured in this one with an AC joint sprain. He's going to miss some time, so a big blow once again to Indianapolis. They're going to get, they're going to have to start now Gardner Minshew for the next couple weeks at starting quarterback, and he's got a big game against his former team this upcoming weekend on Sunday, which we'll preview later on the show. But the biggest story going into this game, Johnson, was Jonathan Taylor finally returning for the Indianapolis Colts. He finally got that contract extension he was looking for, I believe, a three-year, $43 million deal for Taylor. 
So his first game back in action, they weren't going to overload him this week just because he hasn't been, you know, practicing as much these last couple of weeks. So he gets six carries in the game and doesn't do much offensively. But the big story for the Colts offense, Zach Moss continues to look really, really good for this Colts rushing attack, maybe giving them a great one-two punch with him and Jonathan Taylor as he goes for 165 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and the Colts, they pull off another big win, this time at home, beating the Titans 23-16. They go to 3-2. and two. As I mentioned earlier, they are tied with Jacksonville for first place. Those two teams will meet on Sunday for the right to go into first place overall by themselves in the AFC South. And for the Titans, they now drop to 2-3, and three, and a big game upcoming this Sunday in London with Baltimore. Uh, what did you... What were your initial thoughts about this game? Obviously, the injury to Richardson, the Jonathan Taylor comeback. And do you see any hope for the Indianapolis Colts going down the stretch of the season with Richardson now out for, you would have to think, maybe three to five weeks? Um, this is like kind of like the Texas A&M situation where the younger, more talented quarterback goes down. You're in the midst of, okay, maybe you can make a playoff run here in Texas A&M's case, a bowl game run. But Gardner Minshew is probably one of the best backups in the league. Could be a starter in most cases, kind of like Max Johnson for the Aggies. So that's the the uh, similarity I'm seeing. Is, I'm seeing here. Uh, you can get Jonathan Taylor back. He's obviously a little rusty. Rusty hasn't played in over a year or about a year. Has to get his legs back. Got paid. Good for him. He's going to be a big contributor in offense. So I still think the Indianapolis Colts have a lot of hope for. Uh, but winning the division, I'm not sure. Wild card berth, I think it's possible. I think it's all going to be up on Gardner Minshew and how he does in this role. But you mentioned it. He has been a starting quarterback before, and he's definitely one of the better backups in the league right now. So he definitely gives the Colts a chance to win these games, especially considering he's already won a game against Baltimore just a few weeks ago. And now he has a revenge game this upcoming weekend with this former team, Jacksonville Jaguars. So... A great opportunity for Gardner this upcoming Sunday and for the next couple of weeks. So we'll have to see what happens between those two teams on Sunday, as we'll preview that later on in the mushing hour. But Jonathan Taylor was not the only person to come back this week, Johnson, as we finally saw the reemergence of Cooper Cup as the Rams were at home taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And early on, Matthew Stafford was just throwing the ball to Cooper Cup and he missed his old friend from from these past couple of seasons. And Cup was a monster in this game, his first game back, going for 118 yards on eight catches. Puka Nakua also had 71 yards and seven catches, for, with one of them being a touchdown. But unfortunately for the Rams, they were facing a better team in the Philadelphia Eagles. Were not able to really stop A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard, who both went over 100 yards. Goddard had a touchdown in this game. And the Eagles' defense pretty much contained Matthew Stafford and that Rams offense as they held on to win this one 23-14. Eagles going to 5-0 now in the season, and the Rams dropping to 2-3. But there's got to be some at least some light at that end of the tunnel because now you have Cooper Cup back, and with the emergence of Puka Nakua, that gives the Rams some hope now going in these next couple weeks as they try to maybe potentially be a wild card in this year's NFC playoffs. Rams still have a lot to hope for, and I still think I still don't think the Eagles are that good. They haven't really had that impressive win to me yet. Um, 
Yay for the Eagles, remaining undefeated, but it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's reminding me of the Steelers a couple of years ago when they went 11-0, because I think they're a lot better than that Steelers team, but that's the kind of vibe they give me right now. They give me the 11-0 Steelers vibes, like, okay, yeah, you're winning close games, congratulations, um, but what's this really going to do for you? I mean, you until I see them play some real competition, I'm still going to have my hesitations. Yeah, well, I have to say the Eagles remember obviously went to the Super Bowl last year, and people were still doubting them then. And listen, I don't want them to be good. I'm hoping that this doesn't change, but you're going to probably see the same argument going into next going into next week's show as they take on the New York Jets this coming Sunday. Maybe the Jets pull off a stunning upset. I'm kind of hoping for it at this rate. Um, we'll have to see. Um, before we go into our next game, Johnson, I forgot to put this on our schedule. I wanted to ask you a quick question about the status of this game between the Chiefs and the Vikings. Obviously, the Chiefs won in a controversial fashion, but the biggest story out of this game was the Justin Jefferson injury for Minnesota, and now he's going to be out a, a couple weeks, potentially, for this Vikings team. Does that impact Minnesota's um, strategy going into the trade deadline? Does that now maybe give them more incentive maybe to just say, you know what, the season's already chalked. Jefferson's going to be out now. We've lost our best offensive weapon. Maybe we just trade Kirk Cousins in a couple weeks, depending on what our record is. Because I really don't like the Vikings now even more. We're not having the best wide receiver in all of football. And this is a huge blow to this team that had so much expectations after last season, winning the North Division. Now they're 1-4 on the year. They take on the Bears this week. Uh, I just wanted to get a quick uh, analysis of what you think about Minnesota now after this Justin Jefferson injury. So you want a quick vibe check, is that's what I'm getting here. Yeah, pretty much a quick vibe check before we go so, into like the you mentioned, game. Like you mentioned, he's on the IR now, and this is my analysis. If the Jet, Jets, geez, uh, that's a team, that's a court team that the, uh, the that's that could, the, that's uh, team that could ask the Vikings, yeah. Kirk Cousins, but if the Vikings don't go one, win at least two games in the upcoming weeks, just Justin Jefferson is going to be shut down for the rest of the season. He's got this is my take on his injury. If there was a playoff game next week, he would he would be playing. That's my opinion on his injury. He's had hamstring injuries in the past before. Uh, I obviously I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know a lot about the situation. Yeah. But given past and prior knowledge, I can assume that it's probably in the same realm, and he could probably play on it. They're going to put him on IR. They're going to see how the team does without him. It's the last year of Jefferson's rookie contract. Right. And the last year of Kirk Cousins' extension. So my theory is that if the Jets don't win more than Jets, geez, if the Vikings don't win more than one game, this upcoming uh, on Jefferson's IR stunt, which they're playing, I believe, uh, the Chiefs, like you said. So they don't win more than one game. The Chiefs this past week, they're going into, I believe they're going into Chicago this upcoming weekend. Yep. Winnable game. Winnable game. Yep. So they have to win at least one. Maybe two. If they don't, they keep Jefferson shut down for the rest of the year of quote unquote hamstring issues. They're gonna tank for they're gonna tank for Caleb Williams, and they're gonna reunite Caleb Williams. He's gonna play at the best receiver in the league, and he's gonna be reunited reunited with his uh, college buddy in um in Jordan Addison, and they're gonna put up True. Madden numbers in the NFL. That's my take on this. So, uh, and then Kirk Cousins gets traded to a team that's trying to contend but probably can't contend like the Jets. Okay, so just wanted to get your initial thoughts about that. I, I don't disagree with that whatsoever because um, I forgot to completely put that in our rundown as of this recording. So 
Now we'll go back to our regularly scheduled program, and we'll talk about the final game of the Sunday slate and a matchup on primetime between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. And listen, it's been a rough season for me as a Giants fan, but getting to watch the San Francisco 49ers once again embarrass this Dallas Cowboys team definitely brings me some pleasure in my life as Dallas just had no answer in this one for this 49ers team, and especially George Kittle. Kittle goes for three touchdowns in this game. He had all three of his catches were touchdowns. Uh, Brock Purdy throws for four TDs. Christian McCaffrey extended his touchdown streak. And the Niners defense really just embarrassed Dallas on this one. Dak those three interceptions. They couldn't run the ball. And San Francisco beats Dallas by a final of 42-10. to they, they are also now 5-0 as they are the Eagles are the only undefeated teams now left in football. Dallas now drops the 3-2 and two on the season. Uh, I don't know what your takes are about this game, but I I at least ended my Sunday night on a bit of a high note after watching this a dominating win for San Francisco. I'll take the pride in saying that I think the 49ers are, again, the only real team in the NFL right now, barring any injuries, if they're going to win the Super Bowl. A team like the Cowboys, who've looked dominant at some points of the year, completely blanking the Giants. I'm sorry, Nick, but then looking yes, kind of weak and losing to the Cardinals. But the Cardinals have looked better than expected, so it's hard to make. Uh, it's hard to see what the Cowboys actually are. However, however, we know what the Niners are. They're real contenders, uh, and this is what happens. Dak and the Cowboys got coughed their pants down. That's what happened. They got they played a real team. And they were masquerading as pretenders. It's okay. It's okay to not be a a real contender in the NFL. You not not everyone wins the Super Bowl every single year. That's everyone's aspiration. But sometimes it's okay to be mid, and that's what kind of that's I think where the Cowboys are at. They're not gonna contend for the uh for the NFC East championship. They're gonna make a wild card game, maybe win a playoff game, but they're gonna be mid. And being mid is probably the worst thing you could be you could do in any sport. You either want to be really bad. Or you want to be really good because if you're really bad, you get the best quarterback like Caleb Williams or you get the top pick like Marvin Harrison. But if you're mid, you're praying to God that someone falls to you at 17 like the Patriots did with Christian Gonzalez. He, they, they prayed to God hard enough and he was there for him. So do you want to be good or you want to be uh, or do you want to be bad? And I, I think that's the direction the Cowboys have to go here. Uh, obviously, you know, they're going to finish the season, whatever. I think Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat now. And he's if they been don't on have, the hot seat. Well, on the actual hot seat. He's been on everyone's hot seat for a while, but he's on the Jerry Jones hot seat now. Because remember, Jason Garrett was on the uh, hot seat for like years, yeah. but not on the Jerry Jones hot seat. Those are two different things. And they've committed to Dak Prescott still despite this game. And I, that's another thing. Which it's, you should. You and, should. No, and you and listen, as an owner, you definitely have to do that. But it's going to get to a point where if you're Dallas, you're going to say to yourself, how much longer can we really take this where McCarthy and Dak and it's not leading to anything in the postseason. I mean, how many playoff wins have they had under this regime? And it's, it hasn't worked. And the Niners are the consistent team that eliminates them in the postseason. And for this to happen in the regular season, that's not a good start for this team because if they have to go back to Santa Clara this upcoming postseason, they're, they're, they will not have any chance of winning, and it really could lead to McCarthy getting fired at the end of the year. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because uh, I don't have high expectations of this team. I really did in the beginning of the year, and that's not even me hating the Cowboys. I have no beef with them, but just that's that's where we are right now. Well, we had that 
pretty much dominating fashion on Sunday night. And then we went into the Monday night game between the Packers and the Raiders. And I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. This game just was flat-out ugly offensive uh, for the offensive side of these two teams. Uh, the Packers, remember, you, had, you remember going into this game, were on a long rest because they played the week before on Thursday night. So they had time to prepare for this game against the Raiders. And they just looked flat-out terrible offensively. They didn't have Aaron Jones in this game. They're still without uh, David Bakhtiari, who's going to be out for the rest of the regular season. And Elton Jenkins is also hurt right now for this team. And it's showing on the offensive side of the ball because they really need those uh, pass protection, you know, pass protection for Jordan Love. He was pretty much pressured most of the night from Max Crosby, and it led to Jordan Love making a lot of big mistakes in this game. He goes 16 for 30, 182 yards, three interceptions, including the game-winning pick at the end of the game for the Raiders. And Vegas is able to get. And a lot of people's minds, a surprising win at home, beating the Packers by a final of 17-13. to Josh Jacobs had a go-ahead touchdown early in the fourth quarter to get the Raiders the win. The Raiders didn't play this game great offensively too, but their defense is a huge reason why they win this game. Now go to 2-3 and three and have a chance to go to 500 if they beat the Patriots this upcoming Sunday. And now for the Packers, where do they go from here now, Johnson? Going into their bye week now at 2-3, and three, with a lot of questions about their offense. Regroup, Jordan Love, it's his first year starting as a quarterback. I realize it's his fourth year in the league, but he's still on the younger this side. This is only his sixth NFL start. Yeah, this is his first year as a full-time starter. Uh, give him some time. He's still I, I, a rookie with quotation marks. He's a he's a senior redshirt. That's what we got to call him. Yeah, I, the, the, my only griping beef with him was that last interception that he threw. It was third and 10. They didn't have to throw the ball into the end zone because there was still about a minute left in the clock. And he saw the one-on-one ball with Christian Watson, and he underthrew the ball and got intercepted. And that's a play where you can't make that type of a throw. If you're going to do something, at least throw it away, give your team a chance of fourth down, not try to go one-on-one right there because that fourth down, that makes more sense. That's the game right there. But you still had an extra down, so at least try to get – maybe a scramble at least, get like two or three yards and set up a fourth and medium. And he just really made a boneheaded decision on that play. But they also have had some really bad play calling too. And that's another thing that Packers fans have had beef with is that the play calling this so far this year for the offense has been poor. And if you really want to get Jordan Love developed, something's got to something's gotta be fixed, whether it's Matt LaFleur giving up the play calling or just – I don't even know. Or just trying to fix whatever you're doing that's not working right now because they need they got to figure out something because there's going to be a lot of questions going into the offseason if they don't start picking it up. There'll be questions about if LaFleur is going to be the head coach going into next year. There'll be questions of is Jordan Love our quarterback going into next season. There's a lot of uncertainty right now in Green Bay and they have got to fix it and they've got a bye week to do so before their next game which will be in week number seven. All right. With that being said, Nick, are you ready for the oh, greatest time ready. of the week? It is the mushing hour. We have uh, a loaded schedule this week for this upcoming week in the NFL. Lines for week six, the hottest lines available straight off the hot off the presses. And Nick, time for the first game. We have the Broncos visiting the Kansas City Chiefs going into Arrowhead. Kansas City. But yeah, Kansas City. <laughs> 
in the Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium. Kansas City minus 10 10 and a half point favorites at home. 47 and a half is the slated over under. I'm just going to go ahead and say, give me minus 10 and a half. It's a miracle that this Broncos team has um, a win under its belt. And they're not going to get another one here. I know the Chiefs haven't looked very good, but uh, this Broncos defense is paper thin. It is uh, Swiss cheese. Give me Patrick Holmes to throw about four touchdowns. Well, the Chiefs have won 15 in a row against the Denver Broncos. So it has been a while since Denver has pulled off a win a against Kansas City. The Undertaker at WrestleMania. <laughs> exactly. But if you remember what happened last year between these two teams, the Broncos played the Chiefs pretty close in both of those games. They did lose. Yeah, but they both. had a better head coach than Nathaniel Hackett. And I think Sean Payton realizes that now, too. Yikes. That's a statement I didn't think I'd hear. But you have said it. The Chiefs have not looked strong this season. And correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Have they covered a game this year? The Chiefs have not covered a game this year, which means they are due. They might have covered the game against Jacksonville, but that in Chicago. So they they've covered two out of their five. Two games, okay, that's not bad. I hey, listen. It's been a rough start for. It's been a rough year for me in the pick in the pickem so far. I'm five games under five hundred. I need something to spark my my uh, renaissance and get back into the standings. I'm gonna take Denver to cover. Uh, it's a risky pick, but I could just see the Broncos losing by ten points. So the ten, the line's ten and a half. If they just if they lose by ten, that's all I need to happen. I could see it happening. I'm gonna call me crazy, but I'll go with Denver plus ten and a half. All righty, then. So our second <laughs> game here, we have our London game. So get uh, get up early, set your alarm clock because we got the Ravens. Ravens and Titans playing in Europe, playing in London. I believe it's Wembley. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I want to say it's in Tottenham. It's in Tottenham. Oh, that sounds it's about Tottenham. right. Tottenham. Tottenham. So Tottenham's going to have a winning team in their stadium uh, that the, that the fans are going to cheer for. What I say. Um, this is the real football being played over there. We have the oh, Ravens boy. minus four favorites technically on the road. Because the NFL scheduling is weird like this. The over-under is slated at 41. Give me Ravens minus four. Both these teams are on equal footing. And I don't think the Tennessee Titans are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens. This is a Swiss cheese defense, kind of like the Broncos. And Lamar Jackson should be very motivated from his disappointing week uh, last week. I, I have been back and forth on this game because the Ravens, in my opinion, should win. But they should have won last week against Pittsburgh. And they let that game slip away from them. And this is the Titans. And listen, I think the Titans defense is one of the more disrespected defenses in the entire NFL. I think that that's solid of a defense and they can be able to contain this Ravens offense to a point. And I honestly think we're going to see an under in this game. I think this is going to be a matchup where there's going to be a lot of running. You know, the Ravens had their issues with their passing last week because of drops. And I think that could lead to them trying to lean towards the run this week. We saw what the Colts did against the Titans' rush defense, putting up 150-plus yards rushing, especially with Zach Moss. And you have Derrick Henry on the other side for Tennessee. I see this being a game where a lot of clock is chewed. That leads to a low-scoring game. Give me about a 20-17 to final for the winner. So I got the under in this one. All right, I like it. I like it. Like screwed game in London. Uh, because they're so used to games ending 0-0, 37 points would blow their mind. All exactly. Right. 
We have the Seattle Seahawks on the road going into who day Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals at home minus three favorites 45 and a half is the slated over under give me Bengals minus three Joe Burr is back Geno Smith's not gonna know what hit him Pete Carroll should retire Jamar Chase is back they might have T Higgins Joe Mixon's looking hot this team is ready to make a run and it's gonna start here I love the over in this game because this is a matchup where the Bengals offense looked pretty good last week, and you th- you'd hope that this is going to be the start of them getting back to the Bengals that we know all too well. And the Seahawks, we know that they have playmakers on their side of the ball, and it gets a Bengals defense that has been very hit or miss this season. So I can see this being a very high-scoring game. Give me the over for this one. These would all be my second picks, Nick. So um, we're kind of agreeing, but not really. Okay. All right. That's all I have there. We have the 49ers on the road going into Cleveland. Cleveland Browns at home, uh, even though they're on the road. The Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, the San Francisco 49ers are five and a half point favorites over under Slade at 37 and a half. This is way, way too many points to be given the 49ers. They, they might may have 30 points by the end of the third quarter. So give me the <laughs> over of this game. Ever they they almost put up the over themselves against Dallas. Yeah, like and I I expect Cleveland to to at least get a touchdown or two. So give me give me the over this game. That's disrespectful. Well, I think the biggest reason why I think it gets this low is we don't still know the health of Deshaun Watson right now. And if it is going back to Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson in this game, we saw what happened with him a couple weeks ago against Baltimore. It was not a pretty sight for him in that game. So to be going up against this defense could be a reason why the. The over under is slated at the current you know line that it's at. I think Watson will play just because he's had the extra week because of the bye week. But I just think this 49ers defense defense is so good right now, and they're just firing at all cylinders. I'm gonna have the Niners to cover. Give me the San Francisco 49ers minus five and a half. I like that as well. We're kind of just trading whether it's the over or the under, whether it's the points. We're kind of agreeing. The only thing we haven't agreed on is that Chiefs game. Okay, right. the next game we have here. We have the Indianapolis Colts going into Saxonville. Wait, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Jacksonville. Uh, that's going back a couple of years now. Excuse me. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Four and a half point favorites. 45 and a half is the slated over under. Give me Jacksonville minus four and a half. They're going to be happy to be playing on U.S. soil in front of their home fans once again. Trevor Lawrence is looking hot. Calvin Ridley seems like he's really picking it up. And Christian Kirk is emerging as a legit wide receiver one. Give me Jacksonville a cover, four and a half points. Same with Calvin Ridley. He's also been amazing for this team. They have so many playmakers on the offensive side. Uh, if you remember the first game these two teams played in week number one, there was a lot of turnovers that happened, and it was a 31-21 win for Jacksonville to go to 1-0 and on the season. And obviously Anthony Richardson played in that game. Now he's out in this game, and the biggest story for it is that Gardner Minshew is making his return into Jacksonville to face his former team, the Jaguars. I, I This is probably going to be one of the better games of the week, in my opinion. But I just think the way Jacksonville's going right now, they get a big momentum boost with those two wins in London. I'm going to go with our first mush of the day, Johnson. I'm going to go Jaguars minus four and a half as well. All right, so everyone knows to take Colts my, plus four and a half now. That's, the, uh, that's set in stone. Yeah. Okay, the next game we have here, we have the Lions going on the road into Tampa Bay, taking on the Buccaneers. Detroit on the road, minus three-point favorites. 44 is the slated over-under. Uh, give me the over this game. Give, give me the over. Uh, Baker's going to come out swinging. Uh, Jared Goofball's going to come out swinging. 
uh, Amon Ra, Jameer Gibbs, probably not. Um, if they play, yeah. If they play him, that's what I'm saying. Probably not. He's probably not going to play this week. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, give me a, Rashad White. A lot of offensive uh, superstars this game. Defense is shaky on both sides, so give me the over. Well, the, the Lions coming off that game, which they didn't have Gibbs and Amon Ra, but they still put up, um, I, I believe it was 42 points against the Panthers. And obviously the Panthers are over five, so it's not really, you know, not really fair to say that they this is how scary this offense is. But they are scary, just the fact that they're doing this without two of their best playmakers, even though they're not using Jameer Gibbs like everyone would hope they would use him. And it's a kind of a weird game because you're going into this one where both teams are currently in first place in their respective divisions. And I also love the over, but I won't make that my pick. I'm going to go Detroit minus three. I just think the Lions... this is another time we switch. Yeah, I just think that this is... The Lions are the better team on paper. And I could see this being a very high-scoring game, but I don't want to double mush it like we did with the previous game. So I'm just going to play it safe and go Detroit minus three in this one. Okay. So we have here, we, we have the next game, Philadelphia Eagles fly Eagles fly going on, taking the Disgusting. New York J E T S in uh, the dump known as MetLife stadium in uh, New Jersey. Okay. We have Eagles on the road. Minus seven favorites. 41 and a half is the slated over under. Um, is Aaron Rodgers coming back? No Eagles minus seven. You can go. <laughs> This is uh, this is so tough because the Jets just lost Elijah Vera Tucker on their offensive line. He's out for the season. That's a big blow to their offensive line, and they're facing this very uh, taunted Eagles defensive line that has so many good playmakers up front. A part of me really wants to say, you know what, the Jets could cover this scheme, but I just don't know if it's going to be possible enough because of how many players – the Eagles have offensively too. Even if Sauce Garner was to go up against A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, who's going up against the other one? Is it going to be D.J. Reed? It can't be, I think, because I think he's still injured, if I'm not mistaken. And he is. He's he questionable is. right now. So Reed's still questionable. He might play. If he doesn't play, then it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Bryce Hall going up against one of them. And he, listen, he got the game-winning touchdown against Denver. Great for him, but I just – just can't see the Jets pulling it off. I'm going to go Eagles minus five and a half with an alternate spread. All right. I respect it. Uh, okay. Here we have the <laughs> New York Giants at Buffalo uh, Bills going up to Orchard Park. Buffalo minus 14 points favorites. Yikes. 45 is a slated over under. Oh Nick, my, the, I have the, faith that your Giants will cover. They're not going to win. with Tyrod Taylor maybe starting? Tyrod, this is the Tyrod Taylor revenge game. Oh my god! So Tyrod will lose by eleven points. This is Giants plus fourteen. Well, again, we're going into our regular schedule program of is Saquon Barkley going to play or not? Because if Saquon plays, you're going to say pain or suffering. Well, that it's just pain and suffering no matter what. I don't even have to say it. It's pain and suffering no matter what it is. The fact that the Giants have a a near eleven percent chance of winning, according to ESPN, is mind-boggling to me. I don't really see how that is possible. Um, Andrew Thomas probably won't play again. We don't know about Daniel Jones' health. We don't know about Saquon's health. He almost played this past weekend, but they sat him out for another game. He might be able to go on this one, and they really might need him if they're going to have any hope against the Bills. Um, 
I just I have no faith right now on this team doing anything. I'm not going to take Buffalo minus 14. I'm going to take Buffalo minus 10 in this game. I think if Saquon wants to play, they'll keep it closer than expected, but the Bills are just too good of a team. They're just they're just way better on paper than the Giants are. It's going to be another rough primetime game for this New York football team. And our final game, we have the Dallas Cowboys going on the road into Los Angeles. It's a home game for the Cowboys. Uh, Dallas minus two on the road over under is uh, 51. And this is the Los Angeles Chargers, by the way. Uh, the joke is that all their fans don't go to games. Okay. It's probably going to be uh, all Cowboy fans in the, in the stands. And I hear crickets everywhere. Uh, give me Chargers plus two because Dak Prescott is still going to be seeing ghosts. I think the Chargers are a way better team. Um, I don't think they're better coach, but that's not saying much. They have the better offensive weapons. Is Austin Eckler going to play? Maybe. He said, he said 99% he's going to play. Yeah, so that's a maybe if you're a running back. So, But give me the offensive weapons like Joshua Palmer. Uh, you got a lot of weapons on offense for Justin Keenan Herbert. Allen. Keenan Allen. The tight end situation is pretty good. If they get Eckler, that's just a, 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 another added bonus. And they got rid of J.C. Jackson, so... Positive for them. So give me Chargers plus two. Addition by subtraction. Um, This is tough because I think Leighton Vanderesh is now, I don't know if he's out for the season, but he got injured in the, in the San Francisco game. So he's going to probably be out for a little bit. That's going to hurt the Cowboys on the defensive side of the ball. But you said it. If Eckler is back for this game, that helps the Chargers in a significant way. Just getting him back really helps you know, add a lot more to your playbook because Eckler can run and catch. And that really helps this team. The biggest thing in this game is that the Chargers offense coordinator is Kellen Moore, the former OC with Dallas. And we just saw Dak Prescott have a game in which he threw three interceptions. And if there's going to be one way the Chargers win this game, they need their defense to force Dak Prescott to make uh, mistakes. I think Kellen Moore is a perfect candidate to help that defense make, you know, find out what makes Dak tick and make those mistakes. So I'm going to take the Chargers, and I'm not even going to go plus two. I'm going to go Chargers money line in this one. Dallas All had a right. really bad showing against San Francisco. I think the Chargers could pull this one out and go to three and two on the air. All right. I love the confidence, and that concludes our mushing hour. Nick, do you have anything else to say to our wonderful listeners out there before we head off? Uh, I'm not ready for Sunday. That's all I can say. But I- I'm always I'm always happy to watch football, even though my team sucks. Yeah, me too. That's what Red Zone is for. God bless America. True. Scott Hansen is my true uh, my true idol, and I love him and everything that he does for me on every single Sunday as he's inspired the, our mushing hour, Johnson. He's one of the biggest reasons why we have it. Absolutely. But we'll have to see what happens in week number six in the National Football League and what it will do for these teams going into the remainder of the season as the trade deadline is vastly approaching in the NFL. So it could be leading to some big time movement for these teams to try to get into the postseason this upcoming year. But that is going to do it for the all gas, no break sports show this week, week number five in the books. We now head to week number six. How are all of our teams fair? I know Johnson and I are definitely looking forward to our games this upcoming Sunday. We'll have to see how everyone does as we will recap these upcoming games this next week, looking in to week number seven into our next show. This has been Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.